Hello, we're pleased you've been able to tune in once again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. When someone starts making great claims about themselves, contrary to what's considered acceptable, someone is bound to get upset and there is inevitably controversy. When it comes to creating controversy, Jesus wrote the book. He claimed to be one with God himself, to be the source of eternal life and salvation, to be able to raise people from the dead. The very religious Jewish leaders of the day were none too impressed with his level of perceived blasphemy and sought to take Jesus down. There was, however, one fly in the ointment, so to speak. Jesus actually was all he claimed to be. Tonight, Dr. Corbett is again in the New Testament book of John chapter 5. Let's join him now. If you believe in Moses, you would believe in me. We're going to be continuing through John's Gospel chapter 5. I want to thank Karen and Josiah for doing such a great job in opening up this chapter in our last instalment. And I trust that we will continue to see what a marvellous presentation John is giving us of who Christ is and that our vision of Christ today will grow as a result of what we're about to read. Let's pray. Father, I pray, open our eyes, open our ears, give us a heart to receive what John had said nearly 2,000 years ago to his original audience. Help us right now as we pause and take this time to heed your word that we today, some 2,000 years later, would still stand, sit and ponder in awe of who Christ is, who Christ was, what he said and what he still says today. And I pray, Lord, that all of us will be challenged and changed as a result. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. After healing the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, where we saw and Karen beautifully brought out that Christ walked over people who were infirm, ill, diseased, injured in various ways, to reach this man. And Karen asked the question, why did Jesus choose this man? Why this man? And the answer was, we don't know. The clear answer was, because it was an act of God's grace. That's really the only answer we can come up with. We don't know why God did what he did through Christ. And today, whenever God does anything good for you, the answer may not be immediately obvious. In fact, God knows the answer and we may never know the answer. The answer is it's an act of God's grace. And that may be the best we'll ever come up with, God's grace. As we saw, this man was probably as bewildered as anyone else when he received that healing. We saw that when he was challenged by the religious leaders as to who it was who healed him, he actually didn't know. And Karen brought that out, that Jesus didn't do it as a show. He didn't do it to gain 
um, notoriety or popularity or anything like that, which makes it odd because John describes this as the third sign, the third sign of Christ's deity. Interestingly, Jesus did this sign at a time when it was one of the great feasts, one of the great feasts that would have been of thousands upon thousands of Hebrews gathering in Jerusalem. And now we have an exchange between the religious leaders of the Jews and Jesus. And this exchange is going to get very heated. What we're going to see is that Jesus is going to say something that the Jewish leaders utterly did not like. And so I'm going to just cut to the chase with the title of this message. This is, if you believed Moses, you would believe me. And of course, Moses was their ultimate authority. So after the third sign, amazingly, sign of a dramatic miracle, a man who had been lame for 38 years, you would think, that the religious leaders of the day would rejoice with the man that he was healed. But staggeringly, the text goes on to say that they sought to kill Jesus. Let's read this. This is John chapter 5 and verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father himself equal with God. Now, by the, the famous Bible commentator Merrill C. Tenney states that this is the point in the Gospel of John that marks the beginning of what he calls controversy, the controversy for Christ. I highly recommend Merrill Tenney's commentary on the Gospel of John. If you're looking for a very good introductory commentary to the Gospel of John, I, I strongly recommend commentary by Merrill Tenney. And it's at this point that Christ provoking because he is now claiming divinity. This controversy is, is because the Jews are provoked. Jesus is claiming to be God in the flesh. So, because of this, Jesus does not back down. Now, here is how Jesus does it. In fact, there's seven things, that, seven claims that Jesus is going to make in this chapter that will utterly provoke the Jews. Let's see if you can see them. Firstly, the Jewish leaders objected to Jesus to having a unique closeness to God. Let's read this in, in John chapter 5 and verse 19, the next verse. So Jesus said to them, in other words, he responded to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. Now, no one spoke like that. This is incredible intimacy. 
This is an intimacy with God that not even the prophets of the Old Testament spoke with. And here Jesus is speaking as if he is in the very presence of God, not only listening, but observing God the Father. There is no one who ever spoke like this. Secondly, the second thing that provoked the Jewish leaders was Jesus claiming that it would be him who would raise all the dead. Now, it had long been understood that at the end of the age, God would raise the dead so that they would be judged. But now we read in verse 21 that Jesus claims that it would be him. We read this, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. He is claiming equal divine power with the Father, Father God, the eternal Father, to raise the dead. You can see why this would have provoked the Jewish leaders. There are even some Christians who think that Jesus never claimed to be God. We cannot escape what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 5. The Jews understood it. They clearly understood it. That's why they sought all the more to kill Jesus, as it says in verse 18. The third reason that the Jews had for wanting to kill Jesus is that they objected to Jesus claiming that he would be the judge of all mankind. Now, why would they be so upset with that? Because that was something that Yahweh, the name, the term of God, the God of the Old Testament, that this was his divine privilege. This was his divine right. And Jesus was claiming it. One born that they thought in Nazareth, of course we know in Bethlehem, this one standing before them, flesh and blood, claimed that he would judge all mankind. We read in John chapter 5 and verse 22, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. I know that there are some people who think that Jesus doesn't judge anyone. You cannot escape what Jesus is saying here. He will judge. He will judge all people. The fourth reason that the Jewish leaders were becoming more and more furious with Jesus was that they objected to him claiming that he was equal to the Father in his worthiness of worship. Now, this is actually a really big one. John chapter 5 and verse 23, Jesus said this, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Now, in Matthew's Gospel 4, we find Christ having an encounter with Satan. And we see that Satan wanted Jesus to bow down and worship him. Worship is a really, really big deal. And Jesus says, get behind, get, get, Satan, get away. There is worship due only to God. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve 
him only. Jesus says, God is the only one who is worthy of worship. And when Jesus says that you may honour the Son just as you honour the Father, he is saying, I am equally worthy of worship just as my Father is equal of worship. We read in the opening chapter of the book of Hebrews where God the Father commands all the angels of heaven to worship the Son, that is, the Son of God. So we have a a big problem for Jehovah's Witnesses here because here we have the text of Scripture plainly saying that God the Father commands all of heaven to worship the Son of God, which means that the Son of God is Yahweh. Now, we mustn't confuse the term Yahweh as meaning the Father. It doesn't. The Father is Yahweh. The Son is Yahweh. And this is what Jesus is saying. And we can see why the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him. They understood what he was saying because only God was worthy of worship. The fifth of the seven reasons, interesting that John gives seven claims of Christ in this chapter, the fifth reason that the Jews wanted and objected to some of the claims that Jesus was making, this is why they wanted to kill him, was that Jesus was claiming that he was the exclusive source of eternal life and salvation. Now, when we talk about eternal life, we don't just mean that, you know, you'll live forever like that Goldie Horn movie where she, you know, was given the elixir of life and she could live forever. And, and even if body parts fell off, she could, you know, uh, wax them on again or something like that. We're talking about a quality, a quality of life, eternal life a quality of life of eternal bliss, eternal happiness, eternal fulfillment, a quality of life of peace, eternal peace and joy with God. That's the kind of life that Christ offers. He says, it can only come from me. The audaciousness of it. And the Jewish leaders objected to Jesus, whom they thought was just a man, claiming that he was the source of it, the exclusive source of it, and that he was the source of salvation. We read in verse 24 of chapter 5, where Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. If you want to live beyond the grave, and we don't just mean exist, we mean come into that kind of life for which God created you for, you can only come into that kind of life, that quality of life, that place of peace and everlasting fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction by surrendering to Christ. And this is what he was saying. And the Jewish leaders did not want to accept it. They were blind. 
And for all who are listening to me now, I don't want you to be blind. May a prayer arise in your heart that says something like this, God, open my eyes. Help me to see what those original Jewish leaders couldn't see. Help me to hear what they couldn't hear. And that's my prayer for you right now, that you will hear and that you will see what they couldn't see and couldn't hear, that you might be saved for all eternity, beginning now. This is how Jesus put it. Truly, truly, this is John chapter 5 and verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, that's Jesus, and those who hear will live. Verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Verse 27, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. That's verses 28 and 29. And those who have done good are those who have accepted what Jesus Christ has said. Those who have done evil are those who have said, I reject what Jesus Christ has done and said. I don't believe it. I don't want what he offers. I will not accept it. But will you? Will you today? Will you accept what he says? Will you listen to that still, small voice that will speak to you even tonight in your dreams? Even throughout your days, through this coming week in circumstances? in conversations that that may come up, God has a way of speaking to you. If you will open your heart, you will hear what he says. Listen to his voice. God will speak. Listen. The sixth reason, the sixth reason that the Jewish leaders objected to what Jesus Christ was claiming, he claimed All of the scriptures were ultimately about him. From our perspective, that's all of the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi. All of those scriptures were ultimately about him. Now, of course, we can look at that and go, well, we can see it clearly now. We can see that when Abraham took Isaac up a mountain to to slay him as a test of obedience, and God said, do not slay your son. And there was a ram said to his son, God himself will provide a ram or a, a sacrifice. He was speaking of the one who was to come one day, the ultimate sacrifice. And God did provide a lamb, sacrifice, the lamb of God who did come. We see that in the earliest chapters of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, in the book of Exodus, where we see all of those animal sacrifices, we see that they all represented Christ in some way. 
we see all of the ceremonies and sacrifices that the priests had to do in the olden days. They all in some way represented Christ on the Day of Atonement when the priests had to bring two goats into the tabernacle, which was a, a big tent, and they had to draw the short straw for the one to be slain and the one on whom the blood was shed of the the short straw goat and then that goat was allowed to run into the wilderness and carry with it the blood of the one that was slain it's a picture of jesus being slain for us and we are able to go free our sins are carried out into the wilderness and we are free we are atoned for and this is a picture of what christ has done for us and so we have all of these pictures these symbols these shadows it says in the epistle to the hebrews of what christ had done or what all these things meant in the old testament and christ said all of these things in the old testament all of the scriptures that the jews knew at that time were ultimately all about him and the jews were outraged at this even the tabernacle was about him all of it represented something about Christ. And because of that, they wanted to kill him. Their hearts were so hard. And I pray that your heart's not hard. Because what Jesus came to do was to reveal the love of God. He came to show God's love to a world that was all about laws and religion and doing things that they thought would make them right before God without ever asking God is this what you want and Jesus said this in John chapter 5 and verse 39 and 40 you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me yet you refuse to come to me that you may have eternal life. Oh, friend, you who are listening right now, no matter where you are, in your car, in your lounge room, in your home, in your bedroom, wherever you're listening right now, you may have read the Bible and wondered, what is this all about? And let me tell you what it's all about. It's about Jesus and it's about what he's done for you. You are not a million miles away from God. You are just one prayer away. And I want to pray that prayer with you in just a moment. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. In other words, all that you read in the Bible is ultimately about Jesus and what he has come to do for you. That you may have eternal life. Not merely that you will live forever in heaven, but that you will live the kind of life that God wants you to live, which is a kind of life that only he can give. And it's the, it, that kind of life can only come from having a relationship with him, becoming so close to him because he loves you and he wants you to know him. The seventh reason the Jewish leaders objected to Jesus making this claim was that Jesus claimed that Moses, the one that they thought was their highest authority 
actually wrote about him. Jesus claimed that Moses wrote about Jesus. Jesus claimed to the Jewish leaders that everything Moses wrote about was ultimately about Jesus. And because of that, the Jewish leaders objected to Jesus. They did not want to accept what Jesus had to say. Their hearts were so hard, they didn't believe. Now let's consider what had already happened. We've mentioned that that man who was lame for 38 years, legs that did not work, Jesus healed in an instant. No hocus pocus, no medicine, no magic, simply a word, a command. Stand up, take up your bed and walk. And that's all the man did. He believed enough in what Jesus said that he simply did what Jesus said. He stood up and with that he was healed. And before that, we see that Jesus had already raised a young dead girl back to life. And before that, he had turned water into wine. These were extraordinary miracles. And yet, the Jewish leaders' hearts were so hard, all they wanted to do was to kill him. How's your heart? Consider what Jesus now tells the Jewish leaders. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Oh boy. The good news is, from my perspective, is that many of these Jewish leaders ultimately softened their heart. Many of them, but not all of them. Some of them remained hard. Tragically, in my mind, they remained hard. That tells me that you can be confronted with the truth. You can be confronted with undeniable evidence and still have a hard heart. It's my prayer, it's my hope, that your heart is not hard. Sometimes people's hearts are hard because someone has hurt them. Sometimes people grow up and they've been hurt by someone who claims or had claimed to be a Christian. Sometimes a Christian minister, sometimes a Christian leader, sometimes a Christian who perhaps was a leader in their church had done something, maybe something scurrilous, and because of their misconduct, someone's heart became hard and they said, because of how they hurt me, I will not believe. But notice what's happened here. It's got nothing to do with the case for whether there is a God or whether there is not a God. But how those who claim to believe in God and represent God have behaved. Can I tell you that on behalf of those people who have misrepresented God, God himself will deal with them rather strictly. But in the meantime, 
Do not let them keep you from being who God wants you to be. And I'm urging you now, have your heart healed. Have your soul healed. Be healed. Come to the one who loves you. Come to the Father and be healed. Come to him. Come to him and be healed. This is my prayer for you. So, what do we see? What do we see here? We see that the Apostle John, when he finishes his gospel, is going to say, I've written these things that you might believe, but what did he want people to believe from this section of his gospel? He wanted his readers to believe something about Jesus. Firstly, he's already, in so far in his gospel, presented three signs about Christ's deity, that is, that Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God. There was something about Jesus that said he did not begin his life journey from being born of Mary. His journey began well before. In fact, it had no beginning. He was no ordinary man. Secondly, John wanted his readers to know that this Jesus claimed to have exclusive divine prerogatives. Now, there's some big words. That simply means he, Jesus, claimed that he would do what only God could do. And one of those things is that he claimed he would be the judge of all people. Now, that could be comforting, but it could also be rather scary. He will be the judge of all people. And then, finally, Jesus is quoted by John as claiming to be the exclusive. That is, there is no other way for mankind to be saved. That is, forgiven, absolved from their sin. And sin is the thing that keeps you from a relationship with God. Therefore, if you're looking for God, if you're looking for a saviour, if you're looking for the only one who can give your life meaning and purpose, here's what John wants you to know. Then believe in and follow Jesus as your Lord, your God and your saviour. And it begins with a prayer. And that prayer can be as simple as this. God. Please forgive me. I want your forgiveness. Please come into my life and help me to live for you. Please, I need your help. I want a new life. I want what Jesus offers. Amen, which is a Christian word, which means let it be. Indeed, amen. And Father, I pray for all of those who have prayed that simple prayer that you would transform their lives. And I pray this according to the promise of Jesus. Amen. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, 
You'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select The Last Gospel, Part 8, from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, the Jewish leaders had multiple objections to Jesus' claims about his own divinity, but history has declared itself. The evidence is plain. Jesus was and is indeed one with God, offering salvation and eternal life to those who believe in him. More from Dr. Corbett on Finding Truth Matters next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters. <music>